0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hit it! Fear not, ladies and gentlemen. There is a method to the Trump madness in defeating Joe Biden. Stand by. The doors of the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. So sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of The Ledger Report. And in San Diego... More man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. said last night when he was asked by the Fox commentator, asked, would he condemn white supremacy, which the FBI says is a serious threat to terrorism in America today? Stop. (laughs) So white supremacy is a threat to terrorism? (laughs) Well, bring on white supremacy, (laughs) Uh, sloppy and senile old Joe Biden. White supremacy is a threat to terrorism. Bring them on! It's the new uh, anti-terror device, according to uh, sloppy and senile Joe Biden. <laughs> uh, let's let's uh, try and decipher uh, what the Democrat nominee is trying to say this time. Um, I, I think he's trying to say that white supremacists, if they're organized in some fashion, are, are a threat to homeland security. And I think that any entity that wants to attack our civil society and who wants to tear down our Constitution and our constitutional rights, yeah, could be considered a domestic terrorist. And if that's what white supremacists want to do, if they want to deny civil rights to a certain group within our country who are, are born American and uh, live under the Constitution, the same Constitution that the rest of us live under, yeah then they should be considered a domestic terrorist group. But Donald Trump did say during the debate that he would, of course, disavow white supremacists. He said, sure. Now, the moderator, Mike Wallace's son, apparently didn't hear that. I heard it. I've replayed it. I heard it again and again and again. And so Mike Wallace's son who is a registered Democrat, apparently either didn't hear or didn't want to hear the fact that President Trump said, sure, to disavow white supremacists. Again, along the thinking, probably that I'm thinking, that any group that wants to subvert the United States Constitution and or tear down this civil society should be disavowed. But what the president was Trying to do was to make the point that it's not white supremacists that are rioting in the streets and looting and stealing jewelry out of Macy's. They're not white supremacists unless they're white supremacists disguised as inner city residents, if you know what I mean. That's not what's taking place here in Portland? It's not what's taking place in Seattle. It's not what's taking place from time to time in Los Angeles. Not what's taking place from time to time in Chicago and other major urban areas controlled mostly by Democrats. What's taking place here is a radical bunch of thugs, the militant wing of the modern Democrat Party, trying to disrupt our civil society, trying to create as much chaos as possible during an election year cycle so that mainstream media can go out and report how horrible things are and that Donald Trump should be defeated and Joe Biden should be elected. That's what's going on here. They're trying to relive the 1960s, if you will. It's 1968 all over again. The problem is, for most of Americans, the so-called silent majority, they reject what's going on in Portland. They reject what's going on in Seattle, reject what's going on in looting Macy's. And these people, I firmly believe the vast majority of Americans, Democrat or Republican, believe in law and order and the civil society. So they reject them all. Most Americans reject all of these, quote, extremist groups. This is what I want to take you back to the Obama administration, by the way. This term extremist really got blurred on purpose by the Obama administration. Instead of talking about terrorists beheading Christians in the Middle East, Obama replaced the term terrorist with extremists. So now, when we talk about extremist groups, apparently we're talking about this giant pool of people who are on one end... The Islamic State that want to destroy the United States. And on the other end, Antifa, who also want to destroy the United States, but for a different purpose. Antifa, the militant arm of the Democrat Party, wants to destroy the United States in order to make it over, in order to impose a Marxist socialist government and doctrine on us all. The Islamic State wants to take over or wipe out the United States in order to impose Sharia. And Islam on all... They want us to capitulate. They both both want us to capitulate, but they're vastly different, quote, organizations. One is not domestic, for example. And so what the Obama administration did a great disservice in lumping all of these groups together as extremists. And so that means that, that someone can come out on Twitter and say that Graham Ledger is an extremist. So now... I'm suddenly... And, 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 and you know, Twitter would then investigate. He's an extremist. Freeze his account. Cut his... Uh, cut all his followers. My, my number of followers, just so you know, and I don't really lose sleep over this, but it's, it just shows how the system is rigged on social media. It's been frozen. My number of followers have been frozen um, for about six months. It's not possible. <laughs> it's just not possible, especially when you consider... Other social media sites, they're growing. Why is it that Twitter would hit this plateau like? They're blocking me, obviously. They don't like what I have to say. And they don't want more people to hear what I have to say. And so if you're so inclined and you want to get the word out and you do approve of what I say and you think that the silent majority should hear what I say, by the way, please just send out my Twitter. I don't know how to do that. I think it's at Graham Ledger. And when you write the at Graham Ledger, it automatically lights up his Twitter. So if you send that out, I don't know, on your social media or uh, on an email or whatever, uh, maybe we can blow past this barrier organically. Um, it would be nice because, again, I've been stuck at this number, this crazy number, um, for months now. But that's the system. All right. So Joe Biden is lying. And, and this is... Part of the method to the madness that I want to get at here that that Donald Trump is trying to do. Donald Trump is trying to expose Joe Biden, just like he exposed Hillary Clinton as the nasty woman in 2016, which is that is what she is. He's trying to expose Joe Biden for what he is, a creature of the swamp who is a liar. Joe Biden lied and lied and lied some more about his agenda during debate number one most importantly, the Green New Deal. He didn't disavow the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal is the centerpiece for this Biden-Sanders manifesto that will destroy constitutional America as we know it. He's not running away from the Green New Deal. He wants to impose the Green New Deal on all of us, wants to have us all driving and fly, driving electric cars and flying electric planes in 15 years. He wants to do effectively in the United States what's being done in California right now, which is destroying itself. The brownouts in California, the blackouts in California, it's not because there isn't enough electrical power in the grid. It's because there are mandates that the electrical power have to come from a certain source. Somebody's bicycle, somebody's windmill, somebody's solar panel. And if there isn't enough, bam, the lights go out. How's that? How's that, California? How's that doing for you? Just fine, right? It's 120 degrees outside. Bam, the electricity goes off. <laughs> how's, your, how's your air conditioning uh, working? All right. So Joe Biden is lying, and he's lying again now, post-debate, about Trump not disavowing white supremacists. He did. I encourage anybody to go back, roll back the video, and Listen. Will you disavow white supremacy? Sure, he says. But then we get into the Proud Boy stuff. And I've always been a little bit uncomfortable talking about the Proud Boy stuff simply because I don't want to be labeled a certain way. But I want to dig into the facts about the Proud Boy. And I want to disavow and discredit. And by the way, do you notice how many times Joe Biden used the term discredit? Uh, anytime. His, his son, Hunter Biden, came up and, and the $3.5 million he took from the mayor's wife of Moscow and items like this have been discredited, discredited. And Mike Wallace, his son, didn't have the wherewithal or is so biased that he didn't say, excuse me. Now, that was a softball to a, quote, journalist. I heard that. I said, OK, go for it, Mike Wallace's son, mum, disavowed. Uh, Mr. Vice President, you say it's been disavowed by whom? We just had a a report from a committee in the United States Senate. It's right there in the report that Hunter Biden, among many other things, ties to China, all these kickbacks on these boards he doesn't know anything about. Hunter Biden received $3.5 million from the wife of the mayor of Moscow, Russian collusion, as a journalist, or not even as a journalist, just as an inquisitive American, an inquisitive human being, Mike Wallace's son, shouldn't you have said, now hold on a minute, uh, you say it's been disavowed, explain that to me. Who disavowed it? It was just reported in a Senate report. You were a member of the Senate for 900 years. Are you saying the Senate, sir, uh, is is?" You're discrediting the, the, the committee and the Senate? Are you saying the Senate is discredited? Had him dead to rights. He had him dead to rights. And he didn't do it. Imagine if the tables were turned. And the president had said that. Excuse me, Mr. President, are you saying that the United States Senate, the uh, most deliberative body on the planet, is discredited? Could you explain that one, Mr. President? It would have been another 90 minutes of him trying to explain <laughs> how the Senate is no, Joe Biden gets to get away with it. And he gets to get away with this. Roll tape. He said, well, of course, I'm against all bad things. I said, how about the Proud Boys? He said, the Proud Stop tape. He's lying again. Roll back the tape of the debate. I encourage you. Uh, it wasn't Proud Boys. It was uh, who brought that up. It wasn't Biden. It was the moderator, Mike Wallace's son. And then Mike Wallace's said, son said, Will you have them stand down? That's where the term came from initially during the debate. And the president turned it around and said, Stand back. Stand back, Proud Boys. Okay, it's a matter of semantics. And so he was. The president was playing along using the close terminology of Mike Wallace's son. In other words, he was agreeing with him. Stand back instead of stand by. Same thing. Uh, Stand back. And then the president said, stand by instead of stand down. So Mike Wallace's son says, stand down, proud boys. The president then echoes that by saying, stand back. And then he says, stand by. Oh, this was the trigger. This was the trigger. The dog whistle, right? That he's he's sending, the president is sending some sort of message to the Proud Boys to uh, lock and load. Do you really believe that? Does anybody really believe that? But the point the president was trying to make was that if, I believe, that the pre- the president was trying to say that if the Proud Boys stand for law and order, which they do, and I'm going to get into that in a moment, the, the Proud Boys stand for law and order, and Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all these other thugs stand for the anti-civil society and attacking police and attacking innocent people and disrupting people's meals when they're trying to eat outside, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. If the Proud Boys stand for the police and law and order and a civil society, then stand by. We may need you. What's wrong with that? We have this crazy thing in the Constitution called militia, the term militia. And when the framers wrote the Constitution, they weren't necessarily referring to a standing army as the, quote, militia. They were talking about you and me, regular oldest citizens. And if it ever gets to in this country where the Antifas grow in number, where they are a threat to our civil society and they are lawless and they are marauding and they are breaking into private businesses and destroying and stealing private property in a large scale, then it is up to us under the United States Constitution, the militia, That's me and that's you. It is incumbent upon the militia to defend our constitutional rights, to defend our private property. And I firmly believe this is why the president would not completely disavow somebody like the Proud Boys. Because there is a a bit of a gray area there. When you look at organizations, there are probably some bad apples in the Proud Boys. There are probably some criminals contained within the uh, Proud Boys. But we know there's criminals in Black Lives Matter because they want to destroy the Constitution. That's criminal. We know that Antifa is criminals. It's not just a thought. It can't be just a thought when they're suing in federal court. It's not just a thought, Joe Biden, when they're destroying private property and public property. It's not just a thought when they are harming and killing innocent Americans, Joe Biden. It is a group. It is an anti constitutional, anti civil civil liberty, anti American group that the FBI does consider part of a domestic terrorism organization. So it is it is real. And so if the Proud Boys are part of the quote militia. Of this country to defend the Constitution and defend private property, then there's nothing wrong with the Proud Boys. But let's dig a little bit, shall we? On the official Proud Boys website, which is the official, it says officialproudboys.com. If you'd like to look this up yourself, officialproudboys.com, um, it says Proud Boys values center on the following tenets. Now, You may not agree with all of these values, but there is nothing illegal and I would argue nothing immoral about these tenets. And most of them align dead on with the United States Constitution. Not all of them, please don't mischaracterize my words, what I'm about to read to you, not all of them line up with our, even our Judeo-Christian values, but they're not illegal This is at the top of the list, minimal government. Where have we heard that before? Well, that would be a reflection of the framers of the Constitution. This is what James Madison set up. It's not what we have now, unfortunately. It's been turned on its ear. But the framers of the Constitution, of course, wanted minimal government. And that is tenant number one on the Proud Boy list. Tenant number two, maximum freedom. Well, uh, there you go enshrined in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Those two documents are designed to give us, the American people, maximum freedom. So far, so good. Number three, anti-political correctness. Well, yours truly, at the top of every show, the PC police are not getting in. The PC police are destroying or attempting to destroy the very foundation of this country by dividing us and turning us all into the PC police. And some of us say, hey, it's not going to happen. Yours truly, and apparently the Proud Boys. Tenant number four, anti-drug war. Well, now, who would argue with that, Joe Biden? Hmm? They're trying to be clean. They're trying to say no to drugs as... Nancy Reagan once had us say. So, this is the, one of their top, within the top five tenets, is say no to drugs. Any problem with this so far? Close borders. In other words, secure the damn borders. And in particular, of course, the southern border, which is something we have argued for. You can't have a nation, you can't have a sovereign country without a secure border, period. End of story. And it lines pretty well with the Trump Doctrine as well. So that's tenet number five. Secure your border. It's a no-brainer to those of us who care about the sovereignty of this republic. Tenant number six. Anti-racial guilt. And tenant number seven is anti-racism. Two go hand in glove. Anti-racism is fairly simple. Again, no matter your ethnic background, most people would applaud that, right? An anti-racist group. Anti-racism guilt. Well, now, this is slightly different, but it's just as important. Reparations, for example, are racism guilt, and so they reject reparations. I have a story here out of uh, California. You're not going to believe this. You're not, I hope you're sitting down When I read this one to you, the headline, Governor Newsom signs bill calling for a plan to grant reparations to black Americans. Now, Now, I'll read you a little bit of the story. And here's the stupidity of this and the irony here. California will develop a detailed plan for reparations under a new law signed on Wednesday by Governor Gavin Newsom, making it the first state to mandate a study of how it can make amends for its role in the oppression of black people. Now, anybody with a rudimentary sense of history about California, anybody with a smartphone or a computer and this crazy thing we've called Google can find out when California was admitted to the union and how it was admitted to the union. (laughs) California was admitted to the union in 1850. You know, all of a sudden um, there was this great uh, effort to get California as part of the union because of gold was discovered in California. Oh, we better have this rich state out there. But then, you know, they started to understand what was going on in the Barbary Coast and San Francisco and uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good weather in certain parts of this. Yeah, we better uh, make this part of the union. So yeah, we can tax it, right? Um, but not only was it admitted shortly before the Civil War, um, it had no slaves. It was entered as a free state. It entered the Union in 1850 as a free state. And so you live in California, you want one more reason to leave? You're going to be paying reparations for something you, not only you didn't do, but the state itself had no role in it. Pure, total divisiveness on ethnic lines, pure and total redistribution of wealth. You people in California, there are layer upon layer upon layer of reasons to get rid of your governor and get rid of your government, certainly, but apparently you're not paying attention. So those who are paying attention, and those who do have a brain in California, you better start thinking real hard about what you want to do after this election and where you want to live, especially if that Prop 15 passes in California. And I'll be speaking about that between now and the election again because that is a crucial component not only to California, but unfortunately as California goes, so goes a lot of the rest of the nation. And if Prop 15 passes, oh boy, it is a game changer, certainly in California and probably for many other states in the union. So anti-racial guilt, anti-reparations, this is a no-brainer. Why should you have any kind of guilt because you're white and this, this, this crazy notion of white privilege? I know when I was growing up in San Francisco, minorities, especially blacks, were given privilege over me. Over and over and over again, head of the line, head of the class, got this, got that, and you're a white boy you're you're over here. That shouldn't happen in this country to, to, in, in, in any form, to anyone. It should be rejected and apparently that's what the proud boys are doing here. All right, there's five left. pro free speech, gee. another direct line to the United States Constitution, pro-free speech, and the next one is pro-gun rights. All right, well, that's another direct tie to the Constitution the Bill of Rights and the Second Amendment. Imagine that. So two more direct ties to the United States Constitution, three remaining, glorifying the entrepreneur. In other words, they're saying protecting and uh, nurturing the free market. And that's what this system that we live within is. It's a capitalist free market system. And the Proud Boys want to glorify it. Got a problem with that? Okay, now the final two are the ones that may make the soccer moms and the suburban moms mad. But so what? It's their opinion, all right? Venerating the housewife. Now, I don't have a problem with this. Call me a chauvinist. And in fact, they use the term chauvinist uh, here and it's it's the next one. Uh, It's their final tenet. Um, Chauvinism, uh, I I don't mean to be a chauvinist, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being a housewife. Um, I I, I think that that women who try and do too many things, try and be a housewife, try and raise... This whole notion of... Working at home is really going to be a problem. I, I, this, I predict this, ladies and gentlemen. It's really going to be a problem for women in particular because it's going to stress the hell out of, out of women because they're going to be home and they're going to be home with their kids. These next few months with this stupid COVID keeping kids from school, it's not going to be pretty and it's not tenable. It, it goes to the old expression, jack of all trades, master of none. And I raised my daughter to believe in that and I believe in that. You cannot be good at everything. And the National Organization for Women um, tells women that they can do all these things, have all these pots on the stove, boiling, it's not possible. Some are going to boil over. So the final, venerating the housewife. What is wrong with that? Hey, you know what? You don't want to venerate the housewife? Fine. Don't venerate the housewife. But there's nothing illegal or immoral about it. There isn't. It's, it's just one of their tenets. And finally, reinstating the spirit of Western chauvinism. By this, the, the little bit of reading I have done on the, uh, about the Proud Boys, by Western chauvinism, I think it's this next sentence on the website that, that pretty much sums it up. Those are our central tenets, it reads. All that is required to become a Proud Boy is that a man declare he is a, quote, Western chauvinist who refuses to apologize for creating the modern world, end quote. By chauvinism, I don't believe they say they mean kick back on the Barca lounger, crack open a beer and demand that your wife clean the floors. That's not what they mean. I believe what their definition is, is what I just read you. And that is that, yeah, men have created the world. And if you don't like that, and you want to rewrite history, go write it somewhere else. And don't write it in America because that's not the way history has unfolded. It doesn't diminish the role of females and it doesn't mean there weren't Amelia Earharts out there. And there were. But largely speaking, what this means is that the Proud Boys do not want the PC police to rewrite history. And to tear down statues of Christopher Columbus. And to attack George Washington. Because he had white male privilege. This is what the Proud Boys... This is their whole game right there. I just read it to you. And so apparently there's a problem with that. For some people. But not with a a gentleman by the name of Wilford Riley. I hate this headline. Because I hate dividing people by skin color and ethnicity headline out of Washington Times black professor insists proud boys aren't white supremacists as Trump takes flack Wilford Riley associate professor of political science at Kentucky State University said Wednesday that the proud boys aren't white supremacists describing the white ring (laughs) so it's amazing how quote journalists uh, think here right here's the sentence that the proud boys aren't white supremacists that's a quote from his uh, tweet apparently describing the right wing group's beliefs <laughs> so the, the author of this story even at the washington times is valerie richardson is calling the the proud boys i just read their tenets to you a right is that a right wing group what what makes that those tenets a belief in the first amendment and the constitution The Second Amendment of the Constitution and a belief in the Bill of Rights and a belief in freedom and liberty and the free market. How does that make it a right-wing group, exactly, Valerie? Could you explain that one to me? Please, Valerie, explain that one to me. But anyway, this professor says um, the group's beliefs as Western chauvinists um, are not white supremacists. And in fact, their international chairman, a guy named Enrique Torrio... Enrique Torillo, their international chairman happens to be black oh no oh no that kind of ruins the entire Joe Biden scenario does it oh, what about Mike Wallace's son is he going to come back on his television program and say hey you know what I did a little bit of research and the Proud Boys international chairman is black he's black So this professor, Wilford Riley, says, got to say the Proud Boys aren't white supremacists. This is what he uh, tweeted. And by the way, he's the author of, quote, hate crime crime hoax. Um, Okay. I hope I've made this clear. That the Proud Boys are who they are. They appear to adhere to the Constitution and some old school values. That's the way I would sum it up. They're not Antifa. And they don't appear to be anti-constitutional. Exactly the opposite. And they don't appear to be anti-civil society. And they don't appear to be a hate group. I didn't see anything hateful in there. Let me know if I'm wrong. But I didn't see anything hateful in there. So, when they do this evaluation of debate number one, of course, people are apoplectic about the nature of it. And I call it a 90-minute argument. That's effectively what it was. But isn't that what a debate is? A debate is an argument. And it was two against one. That is, Mike Wallace's son and Joe Biden against President Trump. We saw it. I don't have to cite examples to you. You saw it for yourself. You know what was going on there. And the president, as part of his method to the madness of beating Joe Biden, stood up for himself. And apparently, some Republicans like this ex head of the NR, uh, uh, RNC, should say Republican National Committee chairman, the former uh, chair Mark Rassicott, uh says he won't be voting for Donald Trump. Well, that's fine. You can join uh, Mr. Steele, another ex RNC chair who's not voting for Donald Trump. Fine. We don't need your votes. In fact, we don't need your support because you people are rhinos. You people are anti-Trumpers and you people don't see the big picture that Donald Trump is the last best hope to save this republic from itself and the attacks by the radical left and the modern Democrat Party. He's the last best hope to defend the United States Constitution. And if you ding dongs, you former chairs and you George Bushers out there reject defending the Constitution, then God help you. And by the way, why don't you change your party affiliation to Democrat because that's what you are. But now the Commission on Presidential Debates is talking about changing control of the microphones. The Commission, this is out of Town Hall, the Commission on Presidential Debates announced that changes will be coming for the next two events, which reportedly includes the ability for the moderator to mute the candidate's microphone do not agree to this white house do not agree to this president trump reject this think back to 1980 and ronald reagan it was during the primaries remember that moment in time where ronald reagan was trying to make a point and he was sitting down in one of the front of one of those old school microphones just similar to this one And he's trying to make a point, probably about liberty. I don't remember the topic. Maybe about the economy. Maybe about the free markets. Maybe about the Constitution. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. But the point is, is that the moderator said, turn off his mic. And what did Ronald Reagan do? Ronald Reagan stood up. He grabbed the microphone and he said, Mr. So-and-so, I paid for this microphone. And the crowd went crazy. And the rest is history. But more than anything else, you allow these people who are Democrats, the debate commission is anti-Trumpers, I guarantee it, to do this. This is a, a, a thinly veiled, a not so thinly veiled attack on Donald Trump and his ability to speak, his ability to defend himself. It's two against one. It's in a town hall setting which is the next debate it'll be a hundred against one potentially Donald Trump has got to be able to defend himself these days of Republicans sitting up there just taking arrows should be over and they should be over right here right now with candidate Donald Trump in 2016 and now president and candidate again Donald Trump in 2020 allow Donald Trump to defend himself If you agree to having the, quote, moderator turn off the microphone, this is a grave, grave mistake. It puts the president in a subordinate position to the entire dynamic of these, quote, debates, which really are nothing more than a 90-minute argument. Do not agree to this. Just like you didn't agree to the two potty breaks that Joe Biden wanted, so he could have his uh, ear implant checked and uh, take his medication and, and check his depends, don't agree to allowing the moderator to cut the microphone. Do not agree. And if it means you don't participate, it means you don't participate. This is about free speech. And if you cut off somebody's ability to have free speech in the most consequential election cycle maybe in the history of this republic, that is a grave mistake. Allow Donald Trump to be Donald Trump. And that leads me to my ledger register for this week, by the way, which is poignant and right on point. Will presidential debate, number one, affect or change how people vote? It's a very simple question. Will the debate in whatever form you want to call it, a 90-minute argument, a debate, uh, chaos, all these other things that people are calling it, will it change or affect how people vote? Go to GrahamLedger.com and you can answer the question. And while you're there, you can sign up for this, the Ledger report. Or you can go to the Zip app on your phone. And if you don't have the Zip app, download it. You put L-E-D-G-E-R, Ledger, in the quick code box in the question will come right up and you can answer it that way and we get a lot of uh demographics from the zip app because they can pull uh your location of where you are they don't reveal who you are it's completely anonymous don't worry about that but we get to figure out you know we're we getting a lot of hits out of florida we're we getting a lot of hits out of uh, uh texas california you know whatever um it's a great app but remember i've hope i've deconstructed this attack on the Proud Boys. Because that was one of my purposes today. And the other purpose is to send this message to the White House. Don't capitulate. Let Trump be Trump. Stop this hand-wringing. Let Donald Trump speak to the American people. Do not agree to this microphone-cutting nonsense. And remember that the Trump method to defeat Joe Biden madness is crucially important and it's very important to allow Donald Trump to execute it in the way he needs to execute it. Leave him alone. Don't cut off his microphone. Don't change him. Don't coach him. Let Trump be Trump because the Trump method of attacking Joe Biden is a way of ending, at least to a certain degree, the constitutional, anti-constitutional madness that we're seeing striking this country right now. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the archives, Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart.